0: Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have like a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> you talking like I'm fifty? Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to the Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts.
1: You are listening to the Uncontested. An Oklahoma City Thunder and NBA podcast featuring Jacob.
2: All you haters, come at me. Taylor. You're a step past a hater like I'm Rondo. Upgrade your baby mama to a condo. Nick. I really wouldn't mind taking a flyer on Swaggy Pete. Kamiar. I
1: just got done taking a nap. And Justin. I'm too fast. What's up? We are back. I'm here with Taylor and Justin today. I'm Jacob, by the way, if you didn't know that. Um, here with Taylor and Justin today. Thanks, for, up. Up? Thanks for joining us. Uh, you can find the Uncontested Podcast on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, really anywhere you listen to podcasts. So make sure you go and subscribe if you're on Apple Podcasts. Once you subscribe, if you're already subscribed and you're just listening to the episode because it downloaded like just regularly, you should go hit that five-star rating. Uh, that would mean a lot to us. And and it would make me happy. And I bet it would make Taylor and Justin happy as well. Uh, so Change do that. Firm. Do that. Oh, it, it would be cool. <laughs> um, you can also follow us on Twitter at the underscore uncontested. Today we're going to talk about... It, it's been a few days since this happened. We're going to talk about the Sam Presti end of season press conference took place Monday uh, so we've had like three and a half days to to really absorb what Sam Presti said, kind of dig in a little bit, g- get our thoughts together. So we're going to talk about the Sam Presti press conference today, kind of what he thought about the team over this past season. And he talked a lot about kind of his ideas, his thoughts, moving into the offseason and into the 2019-2020 regular season of NBA basketball, which I got to say, guys, it already feels like Thunder basketball has been over for forever. It's a been month, nine days. Yeah. Ugh, it's crazy. Been, it's been nine days. Miserable. Like not even a week and a half yet, and I'm just like, <laughs> where'd it go?
2: <laughs> so it's June now, right? Yeah, uh, exactly. It's gonna be the
3: longest <laughs> like, off season, dude. It really we is. we have
1: it's miserable. We have nearly two full months
3: until the draft crazy you know that, so, seems,
2: that seems really crazy to me i've
3: always looked forward to this because the thunder should have somewhat of a more tame summer you know we don't have the threat of pg leaving or russell leaving or whatever but now it's like well this might actually kind of be boring yeah <laughs>
1: it's a shame <laughs> Which means i'm not into baseball, going to burn huh? it to the ground because and trade everybody yeah. and
3: get some, like bradley bill
2: and the only you know, thing we have to,
1: to watch during the <laughs> summer is baseball and No offense to any listeners out there, but I can't do baseball, man.
2: Me either. I've never been able to.
1: I cannot do baseball.
3: But uh, on TV, not so much. Yep. So the
1: only time I would want to go to a baseball game is, so here locally in Oklahoma City, they have the Oklahoma City Dodgers. And from time to time, they will uh, do this thing where you can get a ticket to the game. And the ticket's kind of expensive, but it's expensive because that night, it's like all you can eat at everything in the concession stands. That's pretty yes. cool. And that's the only reason I would want to go. Yeah. Like
2: Yeah. We uh we have the Dodgers or uh, uh no sorry, the Drillers, the drillers. who are Dodgers affiliate here in Tulsa and they're Double A and I think you guys are uh Triple A. Um Why are they named so, after yeah, batteries? I think it's been cool to go to some of those games.
1: Do what? I? Said, "Why are they named after batteries?"
2: Uh it's oil. Batteries. No, those, I'm talking uh, about
1: like Double A and Triple A.
2: Oh, oh. Sorry, Jesus. I was like, the <laughs> joke went like, like, this
1: guy. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: Like oil and gas. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. That'd be so Single A, double A, triple A. <laughs>
1: like, I think uh, baseball uh, would be much more entertaining um, if it was not only allowed but encouraged to hit somebody with the ball. Like, if they're running <laughs> from first to second and you get can them get, them get them out by throwing the ball and drilling them with it.
2: It's like when we were kids, and you used to use tennis balls to yeah. play. And you could just much pay people. much more to get them entertaining. Out.
1: <laughs> Dude, talking about tennis balls, did you guys ever play wall ball when you were a kid? Oh, it's oh, one of my heck? favorites. Yeah. yeah. They we should like pitch professional wall ball. Yes. yes. Wall ball was so because wall ball <laughs> so good. you were encouraged to hit people with the ball. Right? If they and dropped it, it you drilled it's their the asses on their way to the wall. And
3: anticipating it coming. yeah. yeah, yeah. Ugh. This is the second time in the last week that wall ball has come up, and I'm starting to feel like it's a sign. Wow.
1: <laughs> Next time you guys are in OKC, we should play some wall ball. <laughs>
2: Wallball was fun, Like man. one of those racquetball courts or whatever at, a, at one of the gyms, and just yeah. use it for wall ball. Oh,
1: dude, I've played yeah. racquetball a few times. It's a dangerous sport.
2: It's a good one, It'd be pretty like fun. Yeah. James
1: Harden, you could possibly lose an eyeball.
2: <laughs> Welcome to OKC uh, off season.
1: Yeah. Welcome to the young. <laughs> tested the wallball <laughs> and racquetball wall ball ball podcast. <laughs> I might roll uh, up to like my local elementary school soon and just see if I can get into like a, a pickup wall wallball game. Yes. Hey kids, you
2: trying
3: to play some wall ball? <laughs> how do you do, fellow kids?
1: Uh, how long do you think I can last before the the I got you the cards called on me? Yeah.
2: <laughs> oh, goodness. All right, oh, let's. Uh, <laughs> this is off the rails
1: real bad. Let's let's talk about the Sam Presti press conference. Taylor, you want to take us take us through it?
2: Yeah. So I I think the first thing that really stood out to me. Um, I listened to it live for about the first 45-ish, 50 minutes while I was at work, and then lunch happened, and so I had to stop, and then Andrew <laughs> Hold select. on, time timeout. <laughs> so you didn't listen to the press conference during your free time at work. Work time.
1: You only listened to it during work time and explicitly did not listen during free time.
2: Which says a lot about my work ethic. Well, um, I'm off the clock. And I'm
1: willing to bet you probably make about double my salary. <laughs> Brother, it's you are li- you live. are living the dream. <laughs> yeah. Keep keep milking <laughs> yeah. that shit, man.
2: That's incredible. It's the best. No, so like I listened to it while I was working, like kind of like podcast, you know. Um, I just kind of had it on my phone or whatever, and was was listening as I worked. And then I, because of that, I didn't listen super in depth. And also, I had to cut it early because we all went to lunch as a group. And so I listened to it in the gym since Andrew Schlecht like recorded or whatever. But um, I think the first thing that really came across to me was how. And I mentioned this to you guys before we started recording, but how candid and open um, Sam tended to be this time around, where in the past, I don't want to say he necessarily sugarcoats things, but he certainly gets pretty close to it at times. Um, and instead of saying, yeah, guys, um, you know, if it wasn't for the Dre injury and Abrina's leaving and all these different things that happened, you know, I really liked our our chances. And I'm, I was really more focused on that first stretch of the season where we were one of the best teams in the league rather than the last half. He actually said the opposite. And the perfect example of this is one of my favorite quotes. I think that came out of this, and maybe one of my favorite Presty quotes outside of "Scared money don't make none." Um, he said, "Quote unquote, I don't think you can discount the fact that we got our ass kicked in the playoffs." Yeah, I, I thought like, that that oh, was a know. super
1: candid thing, especially mm-hmm. for the uh, the sweet talking, like presidential style of the way Presty talks in public all the time. Right. You know, like exactly. Uh, Presti, Very if, if Presty wanted to run for office, he would he would <laughs> get elected. You know, he's just got that swagger and, and that, that political speaking style about him. So for him to be so canon just say verbatim, we got our asses kicked is is kind of surprising and also really oh, yeah. refreshing.
2: Absolutely. Right? I think it took all this of off guard. Like you said, it was, it, was, it was nice to hear. It was nice to see. And I think that really kind of continued for the majority um, of the exit interview outside of some instances. But I think the first and biggest thing that came out of this – that uh, the majority of our listeners are going to be interested in is his, all of his quotes and stuff on Billy Donovan. He said that he expects Billy Donovan to be the head coach for next season. Yeah. I think he used the word
1: anticipate. I anticipate him.
2: I expect. Yeah. But rather than just come out and explicitly say that he will be kind of like he did, I believe last year's exit interview. um, He seemed to keep it a little open and, I know our listeners probably listen to other podcasts by now who have had a similar take, but this was my first impression when I heard it, and that it almost seemed like I haven't met or talked with Billy since after we talked um, after the last game, and I'm not really sure where Billy's out at right now. So unless Billy comes to me when we sit down and says this is too much for me, or I don't think this is working, or maybe we should go our own ways, um, unless that happens, I expect him to be the coach. I don't know. That's kind of how I took it, but it. it, it it was certainly interesting how he seemed to keep it open enough to where if something did happen it wouldn't be a complete surprise. I don't know. It
3: was it's yeah. kind of interesting. What's your guys' take on on his comments about Billy? I kind of had a different take because I felt pretty strongly, you know, when the playoff series was wrapping up and it was obvious OKC wasn't going to wasn't going to win the series that there was a high likelihood that Billy Donovan returns as coach. I think just kind of seeing the general sentiment on thunder twitter of like oh he's definitely gone he's got to be gone billy's got to get fired uh oh if they lose game five he's got to get fired that it just felt kind of hyperbolic to me and we know presti is very much a process guy that's who he's always been in oklahoma city he stays the course whereas fans want to see kind of dramatic reactions to things and splashy moves. That's not who Presti is, and that's never who he has been. So I felt very certain Billy Donovan would come back. After hearing his comments uh, from his exit interview, I feel a lot less certain because because of who Presti is and exactly what you mentioned, Taylor, of like, he came flat out last year and said, no, he'll be the coach. I think when Presti has a process, he knows what the process is, and he's right. not afraid to, to tell you that. So the fact that he didn't come flat out and say, Billy Donovan will be the coach, that it was kind of like, well, I anticipate he'll be the coach. That to me, like in Presty speak, that's as good as saying like, I don't know, we'll see. And yeah, no, that's a good that, point. That started to make me doubt it a lot more. I think it's still, you know, I wouldn't say that it's a lock by any means, but I think that there will be some, some hard conversations this off season between the two of them. That's, that's a good see,
1: point. Yeah, that's, that's interesting because that seems like kind of the exact opposite of, of the feeling that, that other people have had, Justin. So I find yeah. that interesting. Um, I took it more as Pressy didn't want, want to back himself in a corner and say like definitely 100% Billy Donovan is our coach next year because situations can arise. Right. So right. I just felt like it, it was a way uh, of having a, a backdoor escape route if he needed it. Um, yeah. And I didn't read much more into that. Um, but that, that's an interesting take because. So, yeah, like you mentioned last year, he, he was very explicit. Uh, Billy Donovan will be back. And I was trying to remember. Um, and, and I don't know if you guys have some insight into this. Did he didn't fire Scott Brooks before his press conference a few nope. years ago, did he? It nope, was after not and, and I can't remember what he said about Scott Brooks in the press conference yeah I but can't either That's i would, a, I would assume it would mm-hmm. be something similar to what he said on Monday, yeah, I'd have to go back and rewatch, but I would assume it would be something similar um, my My thing is, I feel like whenever they fired Scott Brooks, Presty already had a a very clear idea of what direction he wanted to go with the coach. I, I feel like he, yeah. he knew Billy Donovan was his guy. Um, I, I don't... Presti, from, from everything we've experienced, Presti isn't a guy that that likes to wade in uncharted waters. He, he very yep. much is methodical and has a plan. So I don't see him just firing Billy Donovan and then saying, let's see what happens from here. I would assume yep. he has a very solid plan in place. So... If he were to fire Billy Donovan, to me, that would signal I know who I want. I already ha- basically have them in my back pocket, et cetera, yep. et cetera, et cetera. Um, some of the other things that he said about Billy Donovan makes me think he will say, stay, especially he talked about like how Billy met some of the goals that they had set out at the beginning of the year, like they needed to be a better defensive team, and they end top four in defense. But then you could also extrapolate that and say, well they were number 1 in defense for a long stretch of the year and if you look just at post all-star break their defensive numbers were like what bottom half of the league like numbers like 16 yep. or 17 in the league so so that argument is kind of you have to unpack it a little bit right you you can make an argument for both sides um but I think it's interesting. I think that's a really interesting point that you brought up. My, my assumption was that he was just trying to avoid backing himself in a corner and have an escape route if he needed it because things can happen. Um, but I think unless one of two things would have to happen for Billy to not coach this team anymore, either A, Billy would have to say, I don't think it's working, I want to move on. Uh, I don't see that happening because I don't know where else Billy would get a coach, coaching job at. Or number two, Billy would have to say, I don't want to coach in a final year of my contract. I want an extension to know that that I have long term stability. yeah um and and I think maybe if if he asks that, maybe Presty pushes back a bit, and maybe that leads to to a severing of the relationship. yep,
3: I think that's the most interesting factor for sure. And like you said, I think it's it's still a I think it's a minority chance that. Billy's gone next year. But, and that the biggest reason that I think that is exactly what you said of like, who do you get? I just don't see anyone. That's the obvious choice to bring in and replace him. And that's the biggest reason why I think he'll probably be back. Um,
1: Talk talking about who to bring in. I just want to get this on record on the podcast. Now, (laughs) Um, if you listen to this podcast, please do not ever tweet to at Thundermob405 and say, why don't the Thunder just get Mark Jackson as a coach? Because the chances (laughs) of me blocking you are like over 9,000. You're going to
2: get so many people sending you uh, Mark Jackson tweets. (laughs) Yeah, like there
1: is a reason (laughs) Golden State fired Mark Jackson and it's because sometimes locker rooms become toxic because of players. That locker room became toxic because of the coach. Like right. that is the most anti-Sam Presti guy you could possibly get. Plus, he annoys the shit out of me, so I don't want I don't want to have to listen <laughs> to him ever.
2: I'd love to see him on like the Lakers. Man down, man <laughs> down. But I'm with you guys, and I think uh, what Justin said I I love that take, and that kind of fits into the overall theme or one of the themes that I saw of, you know he he didn't really Presti didn't really commit to one. thing. or a couple things like last year he talked a lot about defense obviously how he wanted to establish a defensive identity and and to run transition which he did um but this time around he was much more like I said candid in that he was like you know honestly I'm gonna have to sit down I have the work put out in front of me this offseason and I really look forward to the challenge that's what I'm best at you know that's what I get excited about and that's what I enjoy but I'm not gonna sugarcoat it for you guys like there's definitely some work that needs to be done I'm not really sure why we we were so inconsistent um, particularly over the the much of the the much of March, um, the month of March. There you go. <laughs> and you know, he's obviously he said that's the month I'm going to look the closest at, rather than that, like I said, that stretch when they were playing incredible. Um, so I, I do I like that. That kind of fits into that overall theme I think uh, that you guys mentioned. Uh, something else that he mentioned quite a bit of was the shooting guard position. Particularly, he wow. mentioned I, I. think I heard Ferguson's name maybe more than any other Thunder player. <laughs> that he's incredibly high on Ferguson. He's not the only one. I know we talked about that in our last podcast. Yeah, it's it like a like common Ray. theme among the people in that building. You know, people are raving about Ferguson, his athletic ability. Um, you know, we've been seeing his Instagram posts, his Instagram stories of him just like putting on a mini dunk contest yeah, every single
1: Instagram day. his Instagram story right. is him dunking a basketball and then pictures of his baby. Right, yeah, kinda, I love baby. the, fact, the baby's kind of cute as well. I'm just gonna he's, put that out there, you baby,
3: for sure. I love the fact that he's throwing down these dunks in the old roller. The, okay, so knew, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like all, not the new fancy one. Like he's he's, he's getting on the with shirt. the the scent of dog food. God. Dude. <laughs> real, so for our, for
1: sorry. our thunder for our listeners who who don't live in Oklahoma City, the original practice facility is right next to a Purina dog food factory. And if you're, like, within a 10-mile radius of that place, it like, stinks. you you just want to throw up. <laughs> like, I remember so many times driving home from UCO whenever I was in college yep. and just being like, oh, my God, like, I got to turn the air off. I got to roll the windows up and, like, <laughs> just sit here for, like, 10 minutes because I don't want to smell the damn dog food.
2: It's bad. just mis- um, uh, but so so he mentioned Ferguson a lot. But then another thing that was incredibly interesting is he put all the blame or took all the blame um, for when Abrines had to lead the team essentially, uh, and it, I'm just inferring it kind of seems like personal issues. Um, but he took all the blame for not having a backup for that position, the right backup. You know, he mentioned some of those guys like Nader. Uh, he mentioned Diallo a couple different times, and some some of the minutes that he contributed early on in the season. But he said we just didn't have the right guy to fill in that Abrinas spot is what he kept calling it over and over, particularly come late in the season. Um, and he mentioned Wes Matthews.
3: Yeah, I think
1: he said the name Wes Matthews twice.
2: Which is super interesting. Yeah, you guys want to dive yeah. in a little on the
3: shooting guard position and his thoughts on that, as well as Wes, what yeah. that means. I thought the one thing on Abrinas that I thought was interesting is, like you said, kind of how he took the blame. And the first thing that came to mind was something that I know Kamiar has mentioned on a couple of our recent pods and that's about TLC and that trade, the Thunder made to trade away TLC. And it makes me, that was the first thing that came to mind when he talked about not, not having a a backup plan was I bet he really regrets the TLC trade because if, if he had known that a was, you know, if that situation was coming, I don't think there's any chance they trade TLC. And I think TLC would have totally changed the complexion of the team had yeah. he been there when that situation happened. Yeah, because he probably absorbs point. all those Abdel Nader minutes. Exactly.
1: So, And yeah. I thought
3: it was interesting, too, that to your point about not sugarcoating things, Taylor, he didn't say anything very positive about Nader. And I think that's <laughs> basically said, pretty like- telling. He was. Oh yeah, uh, Nader guy played a couple minutes. He played. <laughs> Nader
1: played. Like, it, was, it, was, it was. It was like you get stuck in the middle of like, I have nothing nice to say about this guy, but like I also can't like shit on him in public. So <laughs> he uh Nader, he's a basketball player. You know, it's <laughs> like, like when I.
3: Roster. It's like when I won Mr. Hustle at cage camp in middle school. (laughs) It's like, okay, I know what that means.
1: (laughs) I think that's probably an award only won by white
2: guys.
1: (laughs) Hustle. Most skilled. Coachable. High IQ. I
2: I think I got some like best attitude a couple times. Yes.
1: I thought the Wes Matthews stuff was really fascinating because it seemed like, to me, he really wanted to make a point that we tried to get that guy and he just chose not to come here. And I wonder I if, trying,
2: if. But it just didn't work yeah, out. I yeah. I wonder if
1: it's a little foreshadowing of like, I'm going to try to get him to come this summer or I'm going to try to get somebody like him to come this summer. Um, it's kind of interesting because, you know, Wes Matthews did find, find a home in, in Indiana. He played well, he played a lot of minutes but going into next year Indiana gets gets Vic back and so how many minutes are are realistically there for West Matthews could he play more minutes there than he will in uh, if he came to Oklahoma City um Indiana might free agent chase a bit and and so do they even have space to to bring back West Matthews cuz they're not going to have bird rights or anything right so so how much do they want to spend on him so maybe they don't maybe the thunder don't pursue West Matthews over the summer um, but I, I thought that it, it very much felt like Presti wanted everybody to know, like I wasn't just like sitting on my hands, you know. I I was we were actively trying to do something, and he just decided to go elsewhere.
2: That's exactly what I took from it as well, and um, I think it's gonna be really interesting to see how he handles that position heading into this off season, because he talked about Dre's injury and talked about Dre and his high spirits and how he contributed to the team still, but then he kept bringing up Ferguson, and it was almost like yeah, I'm ready for Dre to kind of pass the torch on to Ferg. So does he go and get that backup shooting guard position and focus a lot on Ferguson? Um, Does he try it? Does he still view Dre as an integral part of the team? Like, It's going to be really interesting interesting to see.
1: Because like, what you just said, I, I don't see how you go into next year and look at Ferguson and look at Andre Robertson and say, if these are the two guys playing the shooting guard minutes, um, I don't see how you can look at it and say Ferguson shouldn't start. And I don't know how you look at it and say Ferguson shouldn't absorb about 70% of those minutes and Dre 30%. You know, I, I, just, I nope. don't see how you make that argument. One is a kid that's going to turn 21 next season um, who shot the ball at a 36.6% clip from three on, on a good number of attempts and is only proving to get better and better and better and the whole organization is high on him. Whereas the other guy is a good defender, coming off a, an injury and three setbacks, and that injury notoriously in the league um, has has been um, something that people don't really come back from and, and are ever play the same again and and to me, like,
2: with an expiring contract, yeah too. to, to me right. it's just
1: it's, it's just a no brainer you know right like Ferguson right. is the starting shooting guard of this team unless they go out and, and get someone like an all-star caliber player, Ferguson right. is their guy moving forward.
2: and um, He even mentioned Diallo during those times as yeah. well. I think I mentioned that earlier in the podcast. Like he's obviously still really high on Diallo and his development as well. So and, he and I I seems said, to want to go younger. Yeah, I position. think I
1: maybe said this in our last podcast, but if Diallo can even be like 80% of Andre Robertson defensively and a little bit better offensively, Diallo is making $800,000 next year, and right. Andre Robertson is making like 10. 10 $10.8 million. Million next year.
2: That's crazy.
1: You know? Yeah, so that, that right there isn't He's literally making him, like 10% said. of what Robertson makes. Like, when you look at production per dollar value, that just, it, again, it's a no-brainer.
2: It'll be interesting to see if there's even a market for Dre. Um, really going to be pinning that knee and, and how he looks coming back. Yep. Uh, but I think this is kind of a good – I'm kind of going out of order here from our outline, but I think this is a good, good transition to one of the points that I have here uh, when he mentioned Paul George, Russ, Steve, Grant, Ferg, and Dennis Schroeder as his quote-unquote core. So do you guys think he's going to – did he mean that as in like, yeah, these are the guys I really want to move forward with? I don't really want to have to move on from them? Or is it going to be a thing like you know he said a lot about like All Depot before he traded for Paul George that uh, that exit interview that season? Uh I don't know. I found it interesting how he he seemed to act like moving forward. You know, these are our core guys that we really want to try to build around for this next season um, with this window that we have of Russ, PG, and Stephen with their current contracts.
3: Yeah, I think I I would not be surprised to see him run it back with the obvious addition of some kind of shooting help on the perimeter. I thought. I thought the same thing before, like you mentioned with Oladipo. And I think that this is all contingent on, you know, if, if the right situation arises, if a Steven Adams for Bradley Beal deal comes on the table or something like that, Pressy's going to, he's going to pull move. the trigger. Right. But I think outside of some kind of, you know, perfect situation where they would trade one of these core guys, I think for the most part, uh, I think you can take him at his word that those guys will be back. We'll try to, upgrade the pieces around him and then we'll we'll hopefully have improved results next season.
2: Right. And he did mention, you know, he had a quote about flipping every rock and looking under every rock in terms of improving the roster as he does every year, but I think that's probably him just kind of anticipating um the most likely situation and I I think it's probably more likely he he runs with this core rather than just trading Schroeder straight up for like TJ Warren or something like that, you know. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I
1: um I don't know. It's interesting because the the summer uh, literally like a month, no more than a month, multiple months, two months before they traded for Paul George. Um, Presti went into his exit interview and talked about the summer of, of development and the summer of uh, internal growth and then trades for Paul George and, and Carmelo yep. Anthony, you know? And so it's really hard to read into those things. I, I think you hit it on the head, Justin, as far as like, if an opportunity arises, you know, if, if, the, the the pieces fall in place. You make a move, right? Um, I, I think probably he mentions Paul George, Russ, Steve, Grant, Ferg, and schroeder as the core because those are the guys that he has locked up for. you know PG's locked up for another two years. Russ for another, what, three or four. Uh, Steve yep. for another two. Grant for another one, but I, I think they tried really hard to get an extension on the books this summer. Ferg, he's got for another two years and then restricted free agency. Schroeder he has for another two years. So, so those are the guys you can build around because those were your biggest minute getters and you, you have them on contract for, for multiple more years. I think that's kind of where the, the term core kind of comes from for him. Um, but I, I just think from history with Sam Presti that if, if opportunity arises, he's, he's going to seize it. and He's going to, to make a move that, that he thinks will make the roster
2: better. Yep. I agree completely. So it'll be very interesting. Interesting to see what he does this off season, and how he how he handles it. But one of the last points that I have here um, that kind of stood out to me from from his exit interview, he summed up the season with two words. They were inconsistent and capability. And he kind of went a little deeper into that and talked about how they played um, well for seventy percent of the season, but obviously they were very inconsistent and uh, and didn't play super well that last thirty percent. And he said it was the 30% that he was going to focus on this offseason, not the 70%, and see what went wrong there so they can maintain some sort of cons- consistency. He mentioned be- playing emotional versus playing inspired, which I thought was a great point. Uh, when you're playing emotional, you're playing like the Houston Rockets, <laughs> or you're playing like PG and Rusted a little bit this season where they're griping a little too much the refs, um, compared to playing, and maybe at other players, compared to playing inspired and going I, I out with a lot of hard passion. I feel like, I feel like the, passion, the, the playing inspired... But, you
1: know, yeah, I feel like the emotion, playing uh, emotional versus inspired was a direct, like...
2: Subtweet like, at Russell Westbrook. <laughs> well, not necessarily
1: that Russ, but just at, it, it was a direct, like, taking from that first round series where it looked like the Thunder yeah, played emotional. Right. And the, right. the Trailblazers, who have, you know, had lost their last eight playoff games in a row before that series, came in and played inspired, right? That's uh, great I, I, I think great it came point. directly from that, that first round series to me.
2: I think yeah, I think it's a really good point. Um, and then <clears throat> they asked him a lot about Russ, obviously, and he was actually kind of excited to to listen to that. And he kind of that was the one question that was kind of typical pressy, where he was like, "Look, we do have those conversations. We sit down with him, we talk to him about it. Yes, there are times we wish that he would go about things a different way, but at the end of the day, basically, he's Russell Westbrook, and we're happy to have him. He's an incredible teammate. He's great for this organization. He does so much for the community. Blah blah blah." Um, but yes, we do have those conversations and I wish you guys could see them, essentially, is kinda of what he said. Um, so that kind of fit in, I think, when he was talking about, you know, the emotional versus inspired and some of the inconsistencies and then obviously the whole next question stuff that was happening during the playoffs. There's a lot of reporters asking about that. Um but I think outside of that It really sums up the main points. He ended up talking like an hour and 12 minutes, which is just insane, but also really awesome. Um, he's just, like I said, such a really good dude, a very straightforward, very articulate with his thoughts. Um, provides really good insight. So I, I think there's a lot to digest there.
1: You guys have anything else on, on his press conference? Any, any other thoughts, Justin?
3: I would love to be in the film room with him as he digests that 30% of the season just to see to see what his take on things would be because it's one of those things that i mean there's there's some things that i can try to point out from a you know strategic perspective or a personnel perspective or whatever it is of like what went wrong with the thunder but i would just it'd be incredible to get to hear that like kind of from his his point of view and, and see what his actual kind of analysis and takeaway from that is yeah man like i've always thought
1: this is going to sound messed up, but I've always thought like if I was like a make-a-wish kid, I would love to like be, be in Presty's <laughs> office during like trade deadline, be the fly like, on the wall no, just and shadow see, him for a day and, and see how everything goes. Like maybe maybe the make-a-wish <laughs> yeah. kid is not the not the best way to look at that, but uh It's more like
3: uh Jonah Hill and Moneyball. No, I haven't seen Moneyball. Well, uh, is it in a baseball should. movie? Yeah. Yeah, see. Well, sorry. Don't it's like ba-
1: baseball. <laughs> <laughs> they should have made it about basketball. I would have watched it.
3: Uh, Just pretend. Just pretend. Uh, yeah. uh,
1: all right. Hey, next thing I want to talk about is, so Thunder fans have I've kind of talked about this idea off and on for like the entire year. Um, but, but I think today it, it became a little more of an interesting conversation. David Aldridge, who writes for The Athletic, he covers the Washington Wizards uh, out there in D.C. with Fred Katz wrote an opinion piece for The Athletic today talking about how whoever the Washington Wizards hire as their new GM, the, the first move that that person needs to make is working a trade for Bradley Beal. And David Aldridge's argument in that was that team's not going to be any good next year. Beal's going to be up for the Supermax extension this summer. Um... His trade value will never be higher than, than it currently is. And do you run the risk of like playing him and still not making the playoffs and kind of wasting that talent um, and possibly letting him get injured? Or do you trade him this summer at the peak of his value, get what you can back for him, uh, and, and try to restart the franchise uh, because chances of them trading John Wall are, are pretty bad? because that contract is bad and John Wall's like crazy hurt and not yep. great. So, my first question for you guys is do you think the if if David Aldridge's prediction is correct and, and the Wiz try to make a make a push to to trade him over the summer. Do you think the Thunder well obviously they'll get into those conversations. Do you think the Thunder um have any chance to to make some headway in those conversations if they were to happen this summer?
3: I think they do. And I think the, the easy answer here is, you know, because Sam Presti, like Sam Presti always, always can find a way to make something in those conversations. I think that whether or not they end up with him, my fear, my fear is that they won't, they won't have enough, and it's one of those summers that we talked about. There's going to be a lot of money floating around. I think there's going to be a lot of big deals that happen that maybe wouldn't happen, you know, in any given summer. But so they'll go down 2016 this summer all over again. Exactly. It's bad and news for the league, my my gut is telling me that you know it all it all starts just like 2016, uh, with the Kevin Durant decision, and. The dominoes fall from there, but I think that yep. definitely you're going to see a lot of suitors for Beal because there's a lot of teams that could use him, and I think with the way the cap's shaking out, there's a lot of teams that would be willing to give him a supermax offer, and that honestly could be probably the biggest roadblock to the Thunder getting him. Interesting. Yep.
1: Taylor, I, uh, do you have any anything to add to that?
2: I absolutely think he'll, like we said, he's going to kick the tires on it because. It'd be incompetent for a GM not to uh, if they have the opportunity. I think it's going to have to be something pretty serious, obviously, like Steven Adams, um, Ferguson, maybe even Diallo, and some sort of picks. And then we end up with Bill and a throwaway player type of thing. I think that's the one example that I saw. You know, it it's kind of like pick your poison. You know, you're going to have to give up some depth, obviously, but then you make a lot of that back up getting an all-star caliber player. Um, kind of a guy who can just fit in, almost like a Clay Thompson. You know, he can just fit into almost any offense. Um, so it'd be incredibly exciting, but at what cost? And that's what I keep kind of thinking of when it comes back to this Bradley Bill, Bradley Bill deal. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how how Pressy approaches that, um, how the Wizards approach it, if they're even willing to to trade him, or if they're looking for something pretty lofty, kind of like the Pelicans kind of were with Anthony Davis, and will continue to.
1: Yeah. So so Aldridge in his article mentioned. Uh, he thinks that the that the Wizards could get a deal kind of like what the Clippers got for for Tobias Tobias wow Clippers got multiple first round picks they got uh, a good young player Landry Shamit and and kind of some some filler some nice
2: role players like Mm -hmm. uh, Michael Green and um, who else Oh wait, no. That was sorry. That yeah, was
1: from. Yeah, J- J- Green came from from Memphis. <laughs> that was a uh, separate. Um, That's crazy. But but you know that, that that idea that they could get like multiple first round picks. I think if the Thunder wanted to to make a play for Bradley Beal, um, the only thing to me that I think could even get Washington's attention and, and make its way to the table of deals that that are a possibility for them because. If they make Bradley Beal available, let's be honest. Twenty nine teams are calling and offering something yep, for him. Exactly. Um, so I, I think the only way the Thunder puts together a package, sends an offers to the Washington Wizards front office, where the Wizards say, "Okay, we're going to take the top ten best offers, put them on the table, and decide." I think the only way the Thunder get their offer on that table is if their deal is something like, you know, Stephen Adams, Terrence Ferguson. Dennis Schroeder, and the Thunder's first round pick this year for like Beal and Mahimi. Cuz Mahimi, yep. Mahimi's got 2 Mahimi years left on his deal radical. at like $32 million or something. He makes 16 million next year. Um I think that's the only way Oklahoma City even gets their 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 package onto the table. Without context, that's a weird phrase. Gets their package was, onto the table. <laughs> I was
3: just thinking that.
1: <laughs> um, but I, I think that's the only way they even they even get in the conversation, you know, is uh, yeah. Steven Adams, Dennis Schroeder, who, who can fill the, the, the void that they'll have from, from John Wall, Terrence Ferguson. You know, we've talked tons about Terrence Ferguson and their first-round pick for, for Beal and Mahimi. I think that's the only way you even get that conversation started. Um, right, and then that that obviously digs holes in the Thunder roster elsewhere. Now, who's your who's your backup point guard? Who's your your backup two? Um, and
2: who's your center? Yeah, right?
1: Ian Mahimi, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, scary. Uh, yeah. But then you know, also the if the, if that were to happen, you know, it would be under the assumption that Bradley Beal will. Immediately get that super max extension. So then you're paying Russell Westbrook, Paul George, and Bradley Beal a combined almost a hundred million dollars.
3: Oh, I forgot about that. That's you a really know, good point. That's so, a, a bit of coin. That's yeah, tough. So it's, I think uh, the thing that's interesting with it though is just kind of seeing where Presti goes with this. Because I mean, we've talked about it already. His he's very process oriented. He's very you know big picture type of guy. And that's how he's been the whole time he's been in Oklahoma city. But I think the Carmelo Anthony trade was probably the first time that you saw anything different. Like that was not a big picture, trust the process type trade. That was a, let's get these guys and win now type of move. And it didn't work out. But I think when you look at, you know, the window closing on how long you've got Paul George locked down, how much more, uh, how many more good years do you have out of Russell Westbrook? You look at the, the realistic championship window for the team that he's built and it's getting smaller. And so you can't sit back and trust the process like you could and a move like, you know, sacrificing some of your depth and maybe some of your future stability to get a lot, get a guy like Bradley Beal, I think goes a long way in kind of showing Presti's hand a little bit. If he pursues it of, you know, we need to, we need to do, the best we can to try and maximize the, the years we've got with these guys. No, I definitely
1: agree. Um, can I just tell you guys some stats of, uh, of Bradley Beal real quick.
3: Yes, please. So
1: in 2018, 19 Bradley Beal, uh, averaged the most points in his career at 25.6 points per game. He started all 82 games. Didn't miss a game. Uh, career high wow. in minutes per game. Uh, career high in field goal attempts. Um, second highest of his career in field goal percentage. Career high in three-point attempts per game at 7.3. Uh, he shot 35% from three, but for his career, he's a 38 three point shooter, 38% three point shooter, thirty eight three-point shooter. A career high in two-point attempts per game. A career high in two-point percentage per game. Career high in rebounds, career high in assists, career high in steals, career high in blocks.
3: Good grief.
1: So 2018-19, the <laughs> best season ever. <laughs> was Bradley Beale's best season of playing basketball in his entire
2: career. I also I mean, find it. on Wall went down. He I mean he basically just yeah. took over. That was it was yeah. fun to watch.
1: I, I also find it interesting that it it's been, been pretty well documented and rumored that Whenever Presti made the James Harden trade, um, the two players that he was really trying to trade James Harden for were A, Clay Thompson, B, Bradley Beal. Um, he, he was high on... Bra- I think there was even rumors that he was trying to trade up in that draft to get Brad Beal. Yep. Um, so so Presti has been interested in Brad Beal, it seems like, for a long time. Brad also played for Billy Donovan at Florida. So there, there's a tie there. I don't know how much that tie really matters Um, when it's a trade and not free agency. And uh, also kind of interesting, we talked about this before the podcast, but assistant general manager of the Thunder, Troy Weaver, has actually applied and interviewed for the Wizards general manager job, Um, which is interesting. Obviously, I don't think there's going to be like sabotage there or anything, but the Thunder had another assistant GM, Rob Hennigan, being the head GM at Orlando whenever the Thunder made the Victor Oladipo trade. So... I love it. Um, you know, maybe maybe, maybe <laughs> yep. Troy Weaver ends up out at the Wizards and says, you know what, guys, I've, I've been around Steven Adams and I've been around Terrence Ferguson for yeah, a long time. And these guys are the real deal. And this is a great package, you know? Let's yep. give
2: Ferguson the keys to a franchise and just let him throw him in the fire, you know? Man.
1: <laughs> I got Like, Bradley Bill would be incredible. But I got to tell you guys, I would be so sad to see Steven I know. and Ferg go. Yeah, and just you know, blossom into these yep. like
2: all stars. Yeah, uh, ju-
1: and just yeah. personality wise, like I love yep. Stephen right. Adams. We
2: all love Stephen Adams. You know. Yep.
1: Yep. yep. I mean, how, I agree. I I think if Stephen Adams gets traded, there's no more Oklahoma Beef Council commercials ever.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: Cancel it.
3: Just shut down the council. Yeah.
2: Thunder interviews become post game <laughs> interviews. Uh, any kind of interviews become so much less interesting, just automatically. It just uh, mean, it'd be pretty sad.
1: Yep. I'm just saying would would Call Drogo trade a blood rider? Probably not. I'm just saying. <laughs> just saying.
3: <laughs> All right, he's uh, Dothraki by the way. Yeah. All right, anything <laughs> else guys? Um, well, since we're talking about trades, you want to uh, talk about some uh, five current players that Oklahoma City may look to trade. <laughs> Yeah. Are you reading? Does that the, sound familiar, Jacob? Are you reading the, where the, the, find the such an word idea. for word? Weird. Um, sounds like such an intriguing article. I wish I knew where to find it. Wait a minute. I, I see something. It's a hoops <laughs> habit. And look up <laughs> an article by our own Thunder Mob, Jacob. Uh, you can find an article that is titled Five Players the Oklahoma City Thunder May Trade Away in the Twenty Nineteen Offseason." I wrote it. But.
1: Uh, I tried hard to give on you
3: it a, to, to give you a little, probably a little teaser We will We'll discuss those five players Right here but Please go look at the article because it's good And Jacob's a good writer And he'll do a better job uh, Or he did a better job of writing it Than I'm sure we'll do talking about it And I get paid for a click so go click on it And gets paid click I'm trying not to be that like blatant about it He gets paid for a click so go click it up Um,
1: Feed my children. Go click on it. Spoiler (laughs) alert. I don't have children. I just have dogs. Dog children. (laughs) But they need Uh, food. (laughs) Yes, they do. Okay. (laughs) I can go to the Thunder Practice Facility to get their food for them. (laughs) (laughs) This podcast has come full circle. Yes. Yes, full circle.
3: Perfect. Okay. So, player number five that Jacob put down is Steven Adams, who we've already touched on a little bit. He's notable because he has the third largest salary on the team and you're probably not trading Paul George or Russell Westbrook. So yep. if you're trying to make a splashy move to move some money, he's got 2 years left on his contract at roughly $53 million. If you want to make a splashy move, he's the guy that has to go. What do you guys think about the potential of trading Stephen Adams beyond losing uh Beef Council commercials?
1: I think it's interesting, man. Like there's been too. a lot of talk recently about, you know, how does when whenever you get in the playoffs and teams can specifically gear towards a team like the thunder. Um, I mean, we saw Portland do this basically every game after game one in a Russell Westbrook, Steven Adams pick and roll. You just sink both players into the paint and, and wall off the rim because neither one of those guys can, are, are known shooters. So, um, can in the modern NBA, can you have a one five pick and roll, uh, that neither of those players can shoot. Right. And right. so, Um, the Thunder aren't going to trade Russell Westbrook. So do they look to trade Steven Adams and get someone that can, that can shoot at the five, you know, it's a, it's an interesting, a little bit. Yeah. And Hey, speaking of that, I don't want to get too off topic here, but uh, I tweeted this the other day, Uh, the athletics, Sam Vecini did his most recent mock draft. And I'll admit to you guys, you guys know this. I don't watch a lot of college hoops at all. Um, But Sam Vecini had the Oklahoma city thunder choosing Oregon's bowl bowl interesting Uh, who seven seven foot center seven two foot center with a seven eight wingspan and shot like over 50 percent
2: from three yeah yep so fascinating yeah it's very interesting he's very injury prone because of his his awkward body he's incredibly long lanky but has not a whole lot to him um and because of that he's been injury prone basically ever since he was young so he's still kind of growing into that body but i think that's That's interesting that's a Ever watch his dad
1: watch highlights of his
3: dad oh yeah no. Weirdest
1: weirdest composition person I've ever seen. It's yeah. Weird. I mean, looks, like a looks
3: Looks just like him, pretty yeah. much. Huh. Yeah. yeah, interesting. Um, well, like number it. number four, uh, Dennis Schroeder. <laughs> Schroeder has two years left on his deal with the Thunder. Uh, thirty-one million dollars on the table with his contract. I think everybody knows. He he did a a really good job coming off the bench. In that sixth man role, he got a lot of playing time alongside Russ. I think that Russ and Schroeder on the floor at the same time, for the most part, it worked pretty well, and I think it would continue to work well, but he is a starting point guard in this league, and I think there's lots of teams that view him as such and could use him in that role, and I think maybe if you're looking to acquire somebody, that trading Schroeder could get you a valuable return.
2: I think it'll be really interesting to see if there are teams reaching out to Presti about Shooter. you know, like I mentioned the Phoenix Suns who are looking for a point guard. Um, I, I think teams like that could be it, the teams reaching out to Presti more so than Presti, just openly shopping Shooter. Now, obviously it's kind of like Steven, you know, with the right trades there. Obviously he's going to throw Shooter in a, in a deal, but um, it'll be really interesting kind of to see the, the interest there is for Shooter this off season.
1: Definitely. And, you know, I think one of the things for the Thunder, they they like Schroeder a lot. Um, I think Schroeder can only play the one. You know, yep. he he yep. he he's, doesn't have that versatility. He doesn't have that size that the Thunder kind of. It's a good point. Kind of love, you know, and so I think that's that's interesting. Um, yeah, I I think he's proven himself probably as not a top tier point guard in this league, but uh, you know, maybe in like the. If he was a starting point guard, he'd be in, what, the, the 15 to 25 range out of the top 30? Yep, um, yep. A couple teams that immediately jump off to me uh, that, that may need a point guard going into next year are if Kemba Walker leaves Charlotte. A good point. There's a spot. Uh, Phoenix Suns obviously have notoriously needed a point guard. Um, my assumption is that they're going to draft Ja Morant. And so that'll take care of that. But also kind of a a sleeper for me as far as a team that may need a point guard, um, is, is the Minnesota Timberwolves with, yeah, that's a really um, good, um, I think Jeff Teague has a player option or a team option or something. Um, you, you have Derek Rose, who's going to be a free agent. You have Tyus Jones, who's going to be a free agent. Um, I think, I think that's an, an interesting spot. So
2: also the uh, the Memphis Grizzlies, you know, there's obviously all the talk that, uh, during the trade deadline yeah. about Conley Conley. So if they do move on from Conley this offseason, it'll be really it, they're going to be needing a point guard. Um, and I know Jake has mentioned CJ Miles as a target for the Thunder. Um, you know, that,
3: that's something be, that could potentially work. Yep yeah. I'd, I'd sign up for that trade. Yep. Um, Number three, a guy by the name of Dre. Uh, hope hope you all didn't forget about Dre. I was about uh, to say, nowadays, everybody (laughs) want to talk. (laughs) (laughs) He has not played basketball in over a year. He Mm -hmm. will hopefully, I mean, for crying out loud, hopefully be back uh, come this fall. He's in the last year of his contract worth $10.7 million. I think based on how much Presti gushed about Ferguson and knowing that he's looking to acquire shooting, I think that kind of makes Dre the odd man out a little bit. I think the hardest thing when considering trading Dre is he's not a known commodity at this point. We don't know what Dre is going to look like when he steps back on the court again.
1: Yep. I think I to me, I love Andre Robertson. I love what he's brought to this team. I think he would have won defensive player of the year last year had he not injured that knee. Uh, he was on his way to do that. The the Thunder, even with the corpse of Carmelo Anthony on the court, were a phenomenal right. defensive team with Andre Robertson. Um, here here's a thought that I have. So I, I don't think Andre Robertson is going to have any trade value. I think the 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 most intriguing thing about Andre Robertson as a trade target this summer is cap relief the following year, right?
2: Yeah, uh, because of his expiring, that's a good point.
1: Yeah. So do you trade trade Andre Robertson's what did you say, ten point seven million? For uh, that that expires after the year for another player that makes around eleven million but has like three years left on their deal, Mm -hmm. right? Um, I think that makes a lot of sense. I think that's interesting. Also, um, Andre Robertson's contract is ten point seven. The Thunder's Carmelo Anthony trade exception is ten point nine million. So um, you know that, that those two numbers kind of offset there, which is which is fascinating. So, but I think. The only way you're able to trade Andre Robertson is, is you trade him, the value in him being the short-term money, and maybe uh, your your draft pick or um, a guy like Hamadou Diallo or Deontay Burton, and in return um, you get a guy that, that makes the same amount of money but has more years on his contract.
2: I think that's a great point. I think it's something to absolutely look at for sure. I mean, particularly uh with how high that pressy seems to be on Ferguson and Diallo both.
3: Number two, Abdul Nader. Uh he's a basketball nosedive player. Nader. Nosedive Nader is we once called him. Uh oh, I think those were the, the days, big- man. <laughs> those were the days. I think it's pretty clear. Um, you know, I don't think he has uh, any kind of future on this roster, especially with the potential of Dre coming back and Diallo is going to have another year under his belt. Uh, the progression of Ferguson and most likely the Thunder adding another shooter. There's just there's no minutes left for Abdul. Uh, I don't know how much trade stock he has. I think they will be able to trade him. What they get back, I think, is is up in the air. Yeah,
2: I'm with you. It will be that. like a Dakari Johnson thing if they did this summer. You know. Yeah. yeah get him off the books.
1: Or can you trade him for like the rights to some overseas player that'll never actually come over and it's essentially a salary dump. Yeah. I was I was trying to look this up and do the math and everything. Uh I swear to god, you have to have like a PhD in order to understand the the CBA, dude. It's it's right? insane.
2: It's insane. Yeah. But
1: I believe the Thunder are at the point now where they are paying uh $4.25 for every dollar over the tax. Okay, so Abdul Nader's 1.4 million dollar contract in tax dollars is costing them right at around five million dollars. So if you can if you can trade Abdul into somebody's cap space uh, in return for like a second round pick that'll never convey or or an overseas prospect that'll never come over, uh, you're you're getting rid of that 1.4 million off your off your roster off your off your salary cap. But you're also saving about five million dollars in in taxes, and and I just wonder if that's a move they can make because then they could go off and and get you know maybe you bump a guy like uh I, I don't know like Jawan Evans up from the two way player and he makes a little bit less than than Abdul Nader.
2: Yeah, that's a really good point, um, particularly if you end up trading a Schroeder and you're un- unable to bring in a true point guard, uh, you know, to back up Russ. Depending on how Evans develops this summer and looks with the team, that's absolutely something to keep an eye on. Yep. Also, I'm kind of curious about Dante Grantham as well. He, you know, he was like in college. He was a pretty well known three and D guy. Uh, I mm-hmm. think gained a lot of interest before he, he tore his ACL. I think. Uh, and, am I wrong? Did he tear both ACLs, or am I making that? Yeah, up? yeah. You might not be. That sounds right. Something crazy like that. But maybe it's also I'm interesting thinking of who's uh,
1: Kevin Kevin. Harvey, Hervey?
2: Oh, Hervey. Oh, no. You're right. You are thinking of. I think. Uh, yeah, I think Harvey. maybe he was yep. the one that that tore That's both ACLs. He, he's been tearing it up in the the G League. Um, but another inter- interesting thing with Grantham is they have him on a two year two way deal. Yeah, multi year two way deal, mm-hmm. which is interesting. So we might get a better look at him next season. Who knows? Or at least in Vegas.
3: Yeah. True. Uh, number one. Uh, ye old two pat. Uh, Patrick Patterson, our favorite movie fanatic. I think it's it's pretty obvious that his fit in Oklahoma City at least what we've seen up to this point was not what we hoped. Uh not the potential that we saw in flashes, especially not heading into last season. I think we were all pretty optimistic. It looked like he, you know, he did have the starting role locked down. Obviously things changed pretty quickly with Jeremy Grant assuming those minutes and then Patrick falling out of the rotation entirely. Pat has a Five point seven million dollars salary, which to your fancy luxury tax math equates to roughly twenty million dollars in tax. So obviously, money. moving Patterson saves the Thunder a lot of money, and it's coming for a guy that really probably doesn't have much of a spot in this rotation. Yep, and he
1: he has a player option for next year. I think we're all kind of in agreement he's going to pick that up. He's pick Be- it up, definitely. He's not going to make that money elsewhere. Um, so I, I I wouldn't be surprised if he and his representation and Sam Presti sit down before uh, that that day the the deadline day of him to pick up that contract and Presti says like hey you can pick that contract up uh, and, and get and have that option up and have your last year but know that that we're gonna look to to move on from you right and so. Uh, again, kind of with Nader, I wonder if it if it's more of a salary dump thing because I don't think Patterson has any value elsewhere in the league, uh, unless it's something where you you need to add him to a trade to make salary work right, like a like a right. Stephen Adams plus Patrick Patterson to make salaries match um, for Anthony Davis. <laughs> um, but otherwise, I could see him just getting moved for nothing uh, and the Thunder creating a trade exception or, or something like that.
2: That's, yeah, that's a really good point.
1: So, but if they trade Patterson, you don't have a backup four. We all are kind of under the assumption that Markeith Morris is leaving. Um, yep. I've kind of had this thought, and I want, I want you guys to tell me what you think of it. If he progresses kind of the way they hope he will. How do you guys feel about Deontay? Deontay Burton getting like 10 minutes at the backup four per game in the give, regular
2: season? Give me it. I'm all about trying
1: it out. <laughs> I think it's interesting. I want Deontay. Uh, Deontay <laughs> yeah. Burton to me is like a mixture of like body composition and kind of like style of play. He's like a mixture of Deion Waiters and P.J. Tucker.
3: Oh my gosh!
2: Yes, he really—that's that, a yeah, yeah. That is good. He's like a a mini mini Draymond.
3: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think I don't know. I just he he helped him win games this season, and that's right. I think more than can be said about Patrick Patterson. Yeah, yeah I absolutely. I think,
1: I think Deontay Burton's maybe his best attribute to this team on when he played for the Thunder this season is, is something that the the team really values, which is weak side help defense i mean i go back to that game that the thunder beat portland in oklahoma city and deontay burton got minutes and i think there was like four or five moments in that game where portland got out of the trap in the pick and roll like hit the roller the roller uh going to the rim for a layup or a dunk and you just see burton like rotating over with that thick body like yeah rising up to the rim to contest shots
2: and it worked, yeah. Yeah,
1: like and that's what—that's kind of it. what what this team kind of wants. And then he can space the floor for you, Can he can
2: handle a right. little bit. He's kind of like a it like a Swiss exactly. Army knife, you know. Yeah. So yep. Yep, it's interesting. I like that a lot. Uh, I think guys like that um, Diallo and Burton both. It's going to be really interesting to see the summers that they have. Um, Ferguson's another oh. guy, but obviously he's more cemented. But if yeah. Deontay has a big summer, um, they might throw him in right off the bat. And, you know, give him. Anywhere from six to ten minutes, and just kind of see what happens early on in the season. I'm telling you guys right now, the
1: Thunder's summer league team—they got a squad. Oh, it's going to be—they yeah, got a squad. Wait. It's going to be fun gonna, again. Gonna They're going to the have story. Diallo and Burton out there, like dunk champion, dunk <laughs> champion, and a guy that could be and in the Hervey. dunk contest if he wants. Yeah, you Kirby. Know,
2: you'll have Grantham. I mean, they whoever got they got pick got
1: a up uh, as the—I <laughs> mean. Maybe you have Bull bowl out there. Maybe you have... Yeah, uh, yeah. Ricky, um, that's a good one. What's, what's the, what's uh, the kid from USC that I keep hearing about? Oh, uh,
2: Kevin Porter Jr.
1: Yeah. Is he related to Michael Porter Jr.?
2: I've always wondered that, but I don't think so. <laughs> okay. From what I heard. <laughs> that's um, like, kind of crazy. But, <laughs> I, I think
1: Kevin Porter Jr. has got some uh, got some James Harden comps. Yeah. You he's, know, lefty, can create off the bounce, can shoot.
2: Um, I have Interesting. I, I haven't watched a ton of them uh, this past season, but from the different podcasts I listened to, from like I think Sam Vincini, um Kevin O'Connor, oh, they just they mentioned how incredibly athletic he and gifted he is. But it's almost like to a fault, he's one of those guys that's just so athletic that in the game comes so easy to him that he just hasn't really tried hard. Hmm. So getting in, kind of like it reminds me of Ben Simmons his freshman year with LSU. You know, uh, I didn't think he was gonna. Be this huge star, but then he gets into the NBA where he he wanted to be all along, and he's really trying, has a great work work ethic as, mm-hmm. as far as we know, and so I think he could be a project for sure, and uh, could be a potential steal. But another guy I keep hearing about is that hero kid, Tyler Hero, I think from Kentucky. Mm, from mm-hmm. Kentucky. I've seen a couple yeah. people link us to him.
1: Yeah, and I've also seen, uh, and we we can fill up multiple full podcasts the draft talk, but I've also seen sure. um, I forget his name, but I think he's a junior or a senior that power forward from from UNC.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah. He seems That'd like a, cool. like a high There's floor, low ceiling guy yep.
1: where these other kids, the, the hero kid, the, the Kevin Porter Jr. Bull Bull all seem like, uh, young, high ceiling guys that, that are projects, you know? Right. And so it'll be interesting to see how the Thunder approach that at draft day. Like, are they looking to get somebody that can contribute early on? Or are they looking to take the guy with the highest upside? You know? Right. Yep. Do, do you take a a, a, a bowl bowl, um, you know, which maybe the equivalent to that is like a, uh, uh, a Michael Porter, Jr. Or do you take a guy like a Malcolm Brogdon who, who came in the league and, and was playing immediately because of his age and experience, you know? Right. So it's interesting. All right. Any parting thoughts before we get for the before we get out of here, guys?
2: Uh, I'm really excited for these last three Game of Thrones episodes.
1: Oh. <laughs> it's going to be interesting. we got three, oh, yeah, three, three, three Thrones <laughs> movies me through go, the,
2: so. the first part of Thunder Offseason. It's been yep. nice to have Thrones. <laughs> after
1: Thrones is over there, I don't know what the hell we do. We're, we're just in the <laughs> abyss after that. Yep. All right, let's pump some outro music. Let's get out of here. Thank you guys for checking us out. Again, you can find us anywhere you listen to your podcasts. Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher. Whatever. Make sure you subscribe to us. Make sure you leave a five-star rating on iTunes. It means a lot to us. It helps us get our podcast out there to more people. Maybe secure some sponsors. should be cool. You can also follow us on Twitter. The podcast is at the underscore uncontested. You can follow Taylor. He is at Taylor with an E underscore P15. Justin is at OKC Tracker. Myself, I am at ThunderMob405. You guys have a good weekend. Enjoy uh, Game of Thrones, episode four. I think that's all I got. Take it easy. Thunder up.
0: Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns legends whose four way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history.